Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you've downloaded the Discovery Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today, we have our special Christmas service. As you all know, Christmas was on a Sunday this year. And so Pastor Rick and the rest of us got everything all set up and had an amazing time worshiping God um, this Christmas. Now, as always, if you'd like to support Discovery Fellowship Church, you can visit dfchurch.com. And to get in touch with us here on the podcast, email podcast at dfchurch.com. Now, here is Pastor Rick. Thanks, worship team, for leading us this morning. Welcome to each one of you this morning. It's great to see you here in God's house on this beautiful white Christmas day. Appreciate your participating with us. For those of you who are in the room, you can see before you here, we have the communion table set. Those of you who are watching online this morning, towards the end of the service, we'd invite you to partake as well. And so if you have some juice, if you have some bread at home, we'd invite you to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion along with us. Let's pray, and we'll spend just a few moments thinking about God's words. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather uh, in a warm place. Thank you, Lord, for those who are gathered at a distance, perhaps at home or with family, friends. Uh, we're grateful, Father, for the opportunity to dedicate ourselves today to worshiping you. You are certainly worthy, Lord, and you have given us so much. So we give you our praise. We give you our thinking over these next few minutes as we think about your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Familiar passage to you, perhaps you've already read it this morning, or maybe you'll rehearse it uh, again a little bit later today, I don't know, but follow along with me. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the town of Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Well, that's a familiar portion of scripture that certainly um, sets the context for us. It tells the historical story the true story of uh, the circumstances and some of the details uh, surrounding the birth of Jesus that we celebrate today. Uh, you can find another view of it in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Matthew and Luke sort of give us uh, the, the color commentary on the historical event. But if you go over to the Gospel of John, what you find there is that John gives us a bit of a different view. 
rather than the story and the narrative, uh, he gives us the explanation or the meaning. In other words, we might say that John gives us uh, the theology behind the nativity. I want us to read just uh, one verse from John's explanation. And inasmuch as it's just a short passage, I'd like for us to read it out loud together as a congregation this morning. It's found in John 1.14. Would you read that with me this morning? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've shared this story before, uh, but now that I'm a grandfather myself, though certainly I don't look it, uh, it has more resonance for me than it ever has. It's a story of a granddad who came to visit his little two-year-old grandson one day. And when he walked into the living room, he saw the little toddler standing up in his playpen, and he was just bawling his eyes out. The little guy's face was red and tear-stained, but uh, when he saw his granddad come into the room, his, his face lit up, and he reached up his hands, and he, and he pleaded, out, Papa, out. And, you know, what grandfather could resist that sort of plea? And so he walks over then to the playpen, and he reached down to lift his little buddy out and set him free from his captivity. But just then, they both heard his mama come around the corner from the kitchen, and she said sternly to her little boy, Jeffrey, no, you know better, now you just settle down. Then she turned to her father and she said, Dad, just leave him right there. He has been so naughty all morning. And then she went back into the kitchen. The granddad stood there, uh, didn't know what to do. The little boy's tears, his outstretched hands uh, tugged at his heart. But by the same token, he didn't want to interfere with the mother's discipline either. So clearly, he had a dilemma on his hands. He couldn't stand being in the same room and not being able to do anything, but he couldn't leave without feeling like he was somehow abandoning his grandson. And so he did the only thing that he could do. And when the little boy's mom came back out of the kitchen, there she found them both contentedly sitting in that little playpen together. <laughs> now, I think that's a pretty good picture of what John tells us Jesus did for us. Um, he climbed in there with us. In the first part of verse 14, we read there that the word that is the logos, the, uh, the expression, the communication of God came. He became flesh that Christmas day. It's really one of the amazing truths about Christianity that sets it apart from really any other world religion. There are other religions that believe that somehow men can become gods, uh, but the Christian faith teaches that God became a man. Uh, the very one who created all things, according to the context of that passage we just read, the first three verses of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, Jesus became a soft little baby, and that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that he would choose to do it. Uh, it's amazing that he could do it. And it's even more amazing when you realize that uh, even though he did it that way on that first Christmas in a manger, he didn't stop 
being God when he became a baby, and even when he grew to become a man. What the Gospel of John um, helps us understand is that he added manhood, but he did not subtract his deity. He was fully God, and he was fully man. Back in 1977, um, a movie came out starring the comedian uh, George Burns and the singer-turned-actor John Denver. Uh, The movie was entitled, Oh God. Uh, If you haven't seen it, good for you. Don't bother, (laughs) because it's a stupid and irreverent movie. But there is really one scene in it that I think is worth remembering. In that scene, George Burns is playing the part of God, and In that scene, he makes an appearance to the supermarket manager. And Burns, in that scene, is dressed in casual clothes and tennis shoes, and he's wearing a fishing hat. And when the supermarket manager discovers that he's God, he asks him why he looks the way that he does. And Burns answered, I picked a look that I thought you could understand. I think that's a pretty good explanation of Christ's birth in Bethlehem. He picked a look that we could understand. The scripture in John goes on to say that Jesus made his dwelling among us, which literally means to make one's tent. The word dwelling in Hebrew is the same word used for tabernacle or uh, tent of meeting in the Old Testament. And John purposely chose that vivid word because he wanted to give us a picture The tabernacle was God's dwelling place during the days of the exodus wanderings of Israel. God lived right there in the midst of his people, those Israelites. And so, too, Jesus would live right in the midst of his people. The tabernacle was also uh, the place of meeting where God met his people. And so, John is telling us that Jesus is where we meet God. During those days of Israel's sojourning, the tabernacle was the place also where sacrifice was made. Animals were killed, innocent animals, and their blood shed, which became an atonement or a covering uh, for sin, the sin of the people. And so it is with Jesus. His cross uh, became the altar where, as it were, Mary's little lamb was slain, where his blood was shed, where my sins and where your sins were atoned for. Take a look again at that uh, last part of John 1.14. It says that Jesus came from the Father and he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Sometimes I think we think that those two, uh, grace and truth, are almost uh, competing concepts. You know, it's hard for us to find the balance sometimes in our own living. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, if you, if you stress grace too much, uh, well, then maybe we can be too forgiving, you know, and maybe cut too much slack. But on the other hand, if we're too focused on truth, well, then maybe we tend to judge too harshly, and, and justice kind of wins out over mercy. But John says that Jesus was full of both. Jesus dealt graciously with people. The disabled, the discouraged, uh, the disenfranchised, the down-and-outers, those sorts of people, it seems, grabbed every chance that they could to be near him because Jesus graced them. 
He blessed people. He healed people. He helped people. He forgave people. He was full of grace. But he was also full of truth. Everything he spoke was truth. Everything he did was truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, if you think about it, he was and he is exactly what we need for Christmas. Jesus tells us the truth about our lives, our situations, and then in his grace he accepts us just the way we come to him. I love the way that uh, Pastor Max Lucado puts it. He says, God loves me just the way I am. That's grace. But he loves me too much to let me stay that way. That's truth. Because he was full of grace, Jesus was willing to die for me, for you, uh, even while we were yet sinners. And because he was full of truth, he was the only one that could do that. Christmas reminds us that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That is an amazing Christmas gift. But there's one other thing I want you to notice about this verse that we've been looking at. It's found right there in the middle section. John says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. That phrase that John uses there is is a rich Greek word, it means to carefully scrutinize or to study something intently. This Christmas morning, God invites us to consider carefully, to study intently the way that He's provided. And and frankly, not just to consider it carefully, but ultimately to make a decision, if you have not yet. For those of us who have chosen to believe and to embrace Jesus Christ, Life for us will never be the same as it once was. He's not a little baby anymore. He's not an ornament for us to pull out once a year, to adore, to think about, to sing about. When Jesus comes into your life, He transforms things. He transforms your marriage. He transforms your family, your finances, your perspectives on life. He transforms everything. That's the gift that he offers to each of us that are, that are willing to carefully consider it and to embrace it for ourselves. Jesus himself, remember, said, I came to give them life, that is everlasting life, and life more abundantly, right here and right now. And who would not want a gift like that? Like a gift under the Christmas tree, Uh, With your name on it, it's just right there and available for the taking by faith. I'll close with this familiar portion from uh, Luke's gospel. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He has yet to receive his inheritance, but it is coming. Uh, He has yet to have his incomparable 
name worshipped by every mouth and every knee bowing to him, but it's coming. He has yet to be given by the Lord God the throne and the rule of his ancestral father, David, but it will happen. Do you believe that? I hope that you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, these reminders from your word about who Jesus is and how he came and why he came and how we can avail ourselves, Father, of the greatest gift ever. I pray, Father, if there's anyone in this room, if there's anyone within the hearing of my voice this morning that has never truly embraced Jesus for themselves, received that free gift and appropriated it, that today would be a day of decision. What a great day to come to know Jesus for the very first time. So we ask in his name. Amen.